This morning's message comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, and we'll be reading verses 15 through 20. As you're turning there, um, let me just say the title of today's message is called Wise Living. And that title not only is for today's message, but really the next several weeks. Uh, we'll be back in Ephesians, and then we'll be in James. And then for the month of September, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to do something that we, um, we did several years ago. I, I don't remember if it was my first, second, third year, but it was pretty early on. And I challenged the congregation to read a chapter of Proverbs every day in a month, because there's 31 uh, chapters of Proverbs. And I'm going to challenge you to do that again this September. Uh, now, September ends on the 30th, so you got to read two that day, okay? But that's not bad. You double up on that last day. Um, but uh, living wisely as the Bible teaches, as it describes, as it urges, uh, is so important. But I also want us to know that in the Bible, you see a lot about wise living, and then you see a lot about also living in the Spirit, and unfortunately, in Christianity, we seem to have people who think that it's an either-or situation. And you get people who are on the wise living side of the equation, and then you get people who are on the I'm living in and through the spirit side of the equation. But it's not an either-or. The Bible teaches both. In fact, they work together very well. And so hopefully over the next few weeks, we'll understand that living through wisdom and through the direction of the Holy Spirit is something that goes together, and it's the way that we are taught to live. Uh, by the way, Old Testament saints didn't have both of those. They had wisdom. The Holy Spirit did not inhabit every single Old Testament believer. It would come upon them at certain times to do great things in and through them, and then God's Spirit would leave them, and they'd just have to walk the best they could according to wisdom. But as saints who are on this side of Calvary, as those who are believers in the New Testament era, when Christ promised, when he ascended, he said, I won't leave you alone. I won't leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send you another comforter. His spirit came on that day of Pentecost. And since then, believers have had the benefit not only of the wisdom that is recorded in God's word, but also the spirit of God living in us to help us understand and live out that wisdom. So that's kind of just a, a big opening statement for the next several weeks as we think about living wisely is not just uh, wisdom, even not just godly wisdom, but it's also the Spirit of God walking according to those things. Now, this morning, again, we're reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. And if you are physically able, I want to ask you to stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. And I'm going to look there because I just realized I brought a different translation with me than what I put up there. So hopefully I can make out those words on the back. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. 
Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you for this marvelous passage from your scriptures that you inspired this particular case, the Apostle Paul, to write to the believers at Ephesus. And God, your word is so amazing, Father, that 2,000 years later, it is still speaking to us today. Lord, may we be open and sensitive. May we be welcoming to your spirit as you teach us and shape us and more like Jesus. Uh, in, in every way, Father, we pray. And it's in his name we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. I haven't been in school, formally in school, for a long time. And, and yet... Uh, having three kids and an educator for a spouse. Uh, uh, the school year, I'm in tune with the school year. I, I go with it. I'm affected by it every single year. Uh, just the third of our children just moved off to college this morning. We kind of finished up this process. And, and you know, Denise, um, of course, the school year, and she actually switched schools and subjects this week. Got, she's finally getting to use that master's degree that she got in reading literacy several years ago. And and so she was doing this new classroom. She was getting set up. And, and, uh, and one of the things she was, that she's still working on is getting up her rule set. And, and we started talking. And apparently rules are not the same as they used to be. You know, there's, there's a new philosophy, a very positive philosophy. And she agrees with this. You know, the old rules were no, don't. No, don't. You know, I mean, it's kind of a big list of don't do that. And at the bottom, you know, big letters, skate at your own risk or whatever it was, wherever the rules were, you know, there's always don't, 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 don't. No, 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 no. But, you know, she's talked about this positive rule thing and, and how, you know, nowadays you kind of put everything in positive. Do this, do this, do this and try this and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, being the wonderful, supportive, smart aleck husband I am, I said, wow, I guess God didn't know about that rule because there's a few thou shalt nots in the Big Ten. There might be a couple of thou shalts. And she said, well, that's different. So I thought, okay, I'm not going to press my luck. I'll, I'll go with that. But it is interesting that in life, eventually, as positive as we want to be, all of us, while we may tell our children or our, our employees or anybody else, we may like to tell them, do this, this, and this. At points, we have to say, don't do this. Now, you have to come to that point eventually where you say, this is the limit, this is the line. In this passage of Scripture today, God gives us, through the Apostle Paul, uh, several words of encouragement for positive, uh, for, for a, a wise type of living. And it is a mixture, as we have to do in life, of do this and don't do that. There's some do's and some don'ts that we need to know about if we're going to live the right way. And so I want us just to work through these this morning and thinking about how we can live wisely. So, and, and up here today, I have the, uh, the New Living Translation, so it'll be a little different than the NIV that we read. So, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Now, that should be pretty common sense, right? Don't live like a fool, live like wise people. But it's interesting that today, uh, we still have the 
The thing that started a few years ago, and I thought it would fade out and no one would hear it after about a year, but I still hear kids saying, YOLO, YOLO, which means you only live once. Now, if you look and took that phrase and used it you know, in a smart way, you'd say, I only live once. So therefore, I should be very careful and very wise about how I live. But so often in our society, they say, YOLO, let me go do something dumb now. Let me go do something stupid now. I only live once, like I can't miss out on the fun. Rather than I only live once, I shouldn't waste my time. I shouldn't do foolish and stupid things. And so we ought to have an, out, an, an idea from the outside, uh, from the, the onset of our, our planning and thinking should be, yes, I only live once. So therefore, I shouldn't want to waste my life. I shouldn't want to do destructive things. I shouldn't want to do things that's going to mess up my future or those around me. I want to live a wise life. And really, that is a beginning point, choosing to say, I'm not just going with the flow. I'm not just doing what everybody else, the crowd around me does. I'm going to live wisely. So don't live like fools. I hope we would all agree with that. Don't live like a fool, but instead do live like those who are wise. And then he says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So not only am I going to not do uh, unwise things and choose to do wise things, but also I'm going to take advantage of the time that I have. It is very interesting uh, how we use our time. You know, it's the most valuable resource. We can't get it back. We can't re-earn time. Once it's used up, that's it. It's over with. And, uh, and we, we use time on all kinds of things. You know, uh, it's, it's interesting. There's all sorts of tools that help us now. There's apps on your phone that'll tell you, you know, this is how much time you spent doing this. You know, a lot of people just turn that off because they don't want to know. They don't want to think about Candy Crush, the 500 hours they spent last year on their phone, you know, they'd rather not know. But the reality is, whether we keep up with it or not, our time matters. Now, do I believe that God created us uh, with an ability to have fun and that leisure and rest are parts of his creation for us? Absolutely. We're not worker bees. We're not drones. We're not robots. Uh, having some R&R is part of a good, healthy life. But also, it's one of the many things in the Bible that you've got to keep in perspective. You've got to keep it in that place it needs to be. And so we don't need to waste our days. It's funny how often as we get older, our perspective will change on things. I used to think my grandpa was crazy. If I wasn't up by 5.30, boy, you're going to sleep the whole day away. Get up, get up, get up. You know, I was like, you know, sleep until noon is pretty good. I'd be fine to have the rest of the day, Grandpa. Just leave me alone. Now I know he was waking me up because he couldn't sleep and he wanted everybody else to be up. You know, that's what it feels like. But no, seriously, even if I could sleep later, I don't know what it is, but the older that you get, the more you realize, man, I can't, I can't just sleep the day away. I, I got things to do. But we want to take advantage of our time. So then he moves on. He says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So again here, there's a thought process. Not only am I saying I want to live wise and not a fool, but also I want to be intentional about my life. So choosing to live how I want to live, not just, well, I wish that I could be a, a godly husband or wife or great at my job or an awesome parent 
but then just doing whatever and hoping those things come true. Instead of that, he's saying being intentional. Act purposefully toward your plans and goals the way that you want to live a life that pleases God. You need to think about it, think it through, plan and follow that plan to live in the way that you need to live. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. How do we understand what the Lord wants us to do? We get in his word. We read it. We pray through it. We listen to his spirit. We don't say, God, here's what I want to do. Bless it. Instead, we say, God, show me your heart. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Help me to my heart to beat like your heart. Help me to care about the things that you care about and let God change us. You see, the the Bible's um, promise that, that he'll give you the desires of your heart, that goes along with us letting our heart be like God's heart. And then him giving us those desires comes with that. Then in verse 18, he talks about kind of what is motivating or pushing us to do what we do. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, all of us live our lives under the influence of something. All of us have something guiding us, motivating us, uh, helping us through decisions and dealing with inhibitions and all this kind of stuff. He said there's one way that a lot of people handle it, and that is through substances. Getting drunk. A lot of people handle the difficulties, the hardships, the trials of their life by, well, it's a rough day, and now I'm just going to make it all better by getting drunk. And he says, that is not the thing. (laughs) That's not the way to live as a believer, to be totally under the influence of alcohol. He said, instead, if you want to be under the influence of something, don't make it alcohol. Or he could have listed all types of different things, many other things in your life that you can be under the influence of and that guide your decisions. But he said, not this way, but rather This way, that is the Lord, the spirit of the Lord should be what is the influence on your life that affects your decision making, that affects uh, how you make choices. And he's given us, he could have used a lot of different things, but he's given us this idea of drunkenness because everybody knows, even in the ancient days, when they didn't have all the medical scientific stuff, they all knew that if you're drunk, it affects your decision making. It affects your inhibitions. It affects your values. It affects your behavior and your demeanor. All those things are affected by being under the influence of alcohol to the point of drunkenness. And he says, I want the absolute opposite for you. Instead of being high on drugs or alcohol, I want you to be high on God. I want you to be filled with God's spirit. I want you to be controlled by him. It is a willing thing. It's not God forcing you to do something, but it's you willingly say, God, fill me with your spirit. Guide me, lead me, help me live my life in a way that pleases you. And finally, he describes some of this This spirit-filled life, how it works together in the body of Christ. He says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So the idea here is, if we're filled with God's spirit, 
It's not just a, a dutiful thing. It's not just a, something that we have to do. It's something that we're passionate about. It's something that we allow ourselves to get sucked up and caught up in God's glory and in his vision. And it's something we want to sing about. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people say, I don't sing. I love the Lord, Pastor. I just don't sing. I understand that. But you know what? A lot of those same people, if you put them in a car on a road trip with about four of their high school buddies, some song comes on the radio, I guarantee those same folks who will not open their mouth to sing in church, when that favorite country song or rock song or whatever comes on, they're going to join in, and they're going to have fun, and they're just going to enjoy it, and it's terrible, and they'll laugh about it. They don't care. You know, they, they got that whole making a joyful noise on a road trip in a car full of friends. But here's the thing. He talks about songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And, and the thing is that that just does something for our souls. I don't know what it is, but in all cultures, there's music. I've never heard of a single culture that doesn't have music. We're all affected. God created us to be affected by music. Some of us can produce music. Others of us can appreciate music. But we're all affected by it greatly. And here he talks about two different kinds of music. He's talking about doing these things among yourself. So this would be congregational singing. You know, sometimes you just maybe, maybe you just kind of hum it. Maybe you just kind of sing it real low if you want to. But, but you experience that music in your soul. But then he also talks about the times by yourselves. He says, and in your hearts. So he makes it two different things. Here's what you, you sing to one another. We get together and we glorify God in front of him and, and worship as the body of Christ. But all, also, you know, we just sometimes just sing to God. And this is that time in the car by yourself. Uh, this is that time in the shower when no one else can hear you. This is that time when maybe you can't do it out loud, but in your heart, you're just singing and you're just praising. And, and you know, that's... you. Most of us are going to be listening to something. Most of us are going to be singing something. Nothing wrong with something called secular music. It's not inherently bad or evil. But there is a, an idea that our hearts should be filled with sacred things. They should be filled with things about God and his glory and his community and his love. Our hearts should resound with that, that just that joyful heart of singing, whether it be able to do out loud or even in our hearts, it's a really important thing that we express to God our love for him through song, out loud and in our hearts. And finally, he kind of closes up this little section here. He says, and give thanks to everything to God, for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being grateful. Being grateful. Boy, that's one of the biggest signs of maturity in life. You know that? Those of you who've raised children and even grandchildren, you understand that. There comes a point when they start to think and, you know, quit thinking, oh, stuff just gets clean. You know, meals just appear magically. Toilets get cleaned. You know, money just comes and happens. And somewhere along the way, you, you like to see these tiny little incremental places where they're like, oh, dad, you mean 
You mean pipes don't stay clean on themselves? Did you unstop this? Thank you, Dad. That's great. You know, they, they start to realize that, hey, everything doesn't stay perfect on its own, and other people do things. And guess what? We can talk about that with parents and children, but all of us are guilty of not being thankful to God at times. All the things he does for us, he supplies for us, all the things he prevents from happening, and he stops from happening. You know, so many times in life, um, something will happen, and I'll, I'll get down the road, and man, oh, I, lost, I, I forgot my phone. You feel naked, right? You forgot your phone. You just can't go anywhere. You could go somewhere without your wallet quicker than you could without your phone. So you turn around and you go back and then you say, you know, what might have happened if I was on the road then? Or, you know, all of these things, all these possibilities, and even the ones we don't know about, they're so big. But the things we do know about, that God gives us the air to breathe, that he's everything to us. The offertory song that Philip was playing is one of my favorite. It's not like a brand new praise song. I guess it'd almost be a classic one now. It's probably 20 or 25 years old, but you are my all in all. And just coming to that point of realizing, God, you're my everything. You're the air I breathe. God, you are my life. God, you are my love. God, you are everything to me. Wrapping up this wise, intentional way of living that rejects foolish things, that rejects selfish things, that learns to rejoice in the things of God and to sing about them both together in our hearts. And finally, he says to wrap this up with a bow, be grateful. And don't wait until the end of November and say, oh yes, I'm real, real thankful and grateful right now. And a lot of us tend to do that. We're, we're grateful one time a year, you know. We have a lot of gratitude at the end of November for that big turkey and for our family and for whatever else, but then it just kind of fades. But it says, look, we need to keep this attitude of gratitude. We need to keep this gratefulness and thankfulness as part of our lives if, as, if we are to live wisely like he wants us to. Join me in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for your blessings. Lord, you're so amazing. You created us, you forgave us, you redeemed us, you sustain us, you strengthen and empower us, you comfort us, you guide us. God, we could just go on and on. We could spend the rest of the day talking about the things you do for us because you are so amazing. Lord, help us to choose to live wisely, to not say, hey, I'm, life is short. Let me go ahead and do stupid things anyway. But instead for us to take what your word says, that life is like a vapor here today and gone tomorrow, and choose to make the most of it. Choose to not walk through life ignorantly, but to to look and to seek with all of our hearts what it is that pleases you, what it is that makes for the best life, and to follow that, and to praise you and thank you and be grateful. Lord, help us to live wisely in these ways. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand for our hymn of invitation?